0: all right good morning faith church what's going on everybody hey welcome to the house it's so good to have all of our faith church family here in florence man welcome can we show some love and welcome everybody in lawrenceburg everybody at our shoals campus it's good to have you guys as well everybody else who's watching online we know we have lots of faith church family that are still traveling from spring break as well as some other people just joining us from literally all over the state united states welcome whoever you are wherever you're at we're so glad it's your part of the service. We say it every week. Come on, we believe that Jesus, he's the hope of the world. So whoever you are, whatever you're going through, come on, whatever your issue, your hurt, your heartache, your habit, we believe you'll open up your life to Jesus. It'll be the greatest decision you've ever made. How many people know that's true? Come on. But well, listen, we are starting a brand new series today entitled The Exchange. Everybody say The Exchange. The Exchange. And so I just want to encourage you to make sure you're a part of this conversation for the next several weeks. Today, we're going to talk about exchanging or trading lies for truth. And it's a big conversation. We're going to go deep today. And so before we jump in, I just want to pray that God will speak to you and that God will speak to me and that God ultimately will help us, all of us at all of our campuses, to make the exchange of lies for truth. So y'all pray with me. Father, we're so grateful, Lord, for your word. God, I pray open our eyes to see. God, open our ears to hear what it is you want to say to us and, Lord, what it is you want to show us. Father, we have, we have drank the Kool-Aid of culture. And, Father, I pray that, God, you would open our eyes today, God, to your truth. God, change the direction of our lives. God, change our value systems, Lord, to what you say they should be. So, Lord, speak to us today, God, in Jesus' name. Everybody who agreed said amen. Come on, everybody, say the exchange. Let me ask you a question. How many of you in this room or one of our campuses, how many of you have ever told a lie? Raise your hand real high. Ever told a lie? If you're not raising your hand, now you just lied because we already know you lied. So how many people have ever lied before? Come on, 100% of the hands should be in the air. Here's what the reality is, is unfortunately, sometimes lying goes hand in hand with raising kids. It just does. I mean, let, let's be honest. Because sometimes, sometimes, at least in parenting, a lie is better than the truth when your five-year-old comes knocking on the door and asks, Mom, Dad, what are you guys doing in there? A nap is better than the truth. <laughs> Come on, we're, we're adults here. Or how many of you guys have ever been parents, again, just all the parents in the room, and one of your kids comes and asks you to do something or buy them something? And your answer is not right now. And it's not because you ever have any intention of doing it in the future. That's as much of a lie if you said yes. It's just a no. You don't want to put up with the argument. So you lie and say not now or later. How many you have ever done that? that is just, it's just part of it. Now, here's what I want to go today in this conversation is it's very easy for us to know when we're lying. It's not always easy for us to know when we're being lied to, right? If you've ever been deceptive, you know right away when you're being deceptive. You know immediately when you're telling a non-truth out of your mouth. But while we know immediately when we're being deceptive, it's not always easy to recognize or know when we're being deceived. Think about that for a second. So you know when you're lying, you just don't always know when you're being lied to. You know when you're being deceptive, you just don't always know when you're being deceived. Now to make that challenge even more difficult is God's word commands us as Christ followers It says it this way, do not be deceived. Everybody say that. Do not be So God comes along and says, hey, listen, I don't want you to be deceived. In fact, it almost sounds like we have a choice in the matter. Do not be deceived. Well, how is it that we can choose to not be deceived when we don't always know when we're being deceived? It's a great question. Well, here's how we navigate that as Christ followers. Here's the challenge I want you to hear today is the way we avoid being deceived is you must realize the truth to recognize the lies. The more familiar you are with what's true, then when someone lies to you, you're, you're being lied to or you're being deceived. If you know the truth, immediately you can recognize that and you realize, no, that's a lie. Yeah. So this is a, uh, this is a tape measure. High people have a tape measure in the house? Raise your hand. All our campuses. Lots of people have a tape measure. What is a tape measure for? A tape measure is the standard by which we measure distance. A tape measure is the standard by which we measure distance. We can measure length, height, width. This is what we use to make sure we get it correct. Now, here's why that's important. If I was to ask you, for example, everybody at all of our campuses, hey, how tall is this table? Now, I would imagine there would be a lot of different opinions. Some of you might say it's two foot tall or three foot tall or four foot tall. Some of you would say 35 inches or 50 inches And at the end of the day, if I ask you how tall is this table, there'd be all kinds of opinions. Or if I flipped it and I said this, hey, this table, if I were to tell you how tall I thought it was, if I were to tell you, for example, this is 47 inches tall, well, how would you know if it's true or not? How would you know if what you said is true or if what I said is true? Or if you're deceiving me or if I'm deceiving you? Well, the way you would know who is accurate and who is true is you would use the standard for measuring distance. So if I were to take this and I were to measure, using this standard, the height of this table, you would see very clearly this is 40 inches. Well, now that you know the truth, now that you recognize the truth, if I were to tell you this is 47 inches, you would say, no, 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 because I saw the standard and the standard says it's 40 inches. So you have to to recognize the truth before you can ever realize the lies. So while we have a standard for measuring distance, what is the standard for measuring deception? If God's Word says, hey, don't be deceived, how do we know if we're being deceived? Well, we have to get out some kind of tape measure, and the tape measure we use is truth. Truth. Everybody say truth. Well, what is truth? What is our tape measure for truth? Well, I'm glad you asked. Our tape measure for truth is ultimately Jesus. It's His Word. It's the Holy Spirit. Here's what Jesus said. In fact, I want us to read these together. John 17, 17. Jesus said this. Come on, read it with me. Your Word is truth. So Jesus said, the word of God, the written word is our standard for truth. It's the tape measure of truth. Jesus went on and he said this in John chapter 14, verse six. Come on, every voice read this. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So the word is truth. Jesus said, I, the living word, I'm truth. And then he made this promise to Christ followers. The moment you give your life to Jesus, he puts the Holy Spirit of God, the third person of the Trinity lives on the inside of us. And I want you to notice how Jesus describes one of the titles of the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. He says this, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. Y'all getting quiet on me. So what is the tape measure of truth in this age of morality and decision-making? How do we avoid being deceived? Well, we have to use the tape measure of truth, which is the written word, the Bible, which is the living word, Jesus, and which is the Holy Spirit who lives on the inside of us. And so we ultimately have a measurement for truth. The problem is way too many of us are using something else other than the tape measure of truth. A lot of us are using, for example, culture, We live right now in a society and culture that's trying to shape what truth is. What is truth? And they'll tell you what their truth is. And the problem is there are way too many Christ followers who are buying the lie of what culture tells us is truth. Now, let me tell you the problem of following culture is culture shifts and changes. Every year, it'll shift and change what they say is moral and what they say is immoral, what they say is right and what they say is wrong. It's constantly changing. It's a moving target. It's like you're in Chuck E. Cheese trying to hit the Whack-a-mole. You can't follow culture. Let me see if you have a really great example. When I was uh, when I was a kid, when I was a young man, into my teens and twenties and thirties and even through my forties I know people personally that have gone to prison for smoking and selling marijuana. The government said for a season it's illegal to smoke or sell marijuana. Now they're distributing cards and taxing and making it okay to smoke marijuana. This is not a conversational marijuana. My point is, is it okay to smoke and sell marijuana or is it not okay? According to culture, it's maybe. Yes, it is now, but it's not then. Give it enough time, it'll be illegal again. Are y'all tracking with me? So I'm just saying we have to quit using the tape measure of culture to determine what's true. Another thing that we use is, a lot of times we use our situation to determine whether it's true or not. The situation, situational ethics. Is it okay for a man to strike another man if he disagrees with what he says? Oh, come on, somebody. (laughs) like that sounds familiar (laughs) we'll see what culture wants to tell you well well, tell me the background well the background is that one man was on a platform and it was in public and he insulted another man's wife's physical handicap oh in that case it's wrong well if it's wrong is should he kill the person should he strike them with the closed fist and open fist? like what's what is the standard well what's the situation how bad was the insult and i'm just telling you listen to me Well, I hear some of you getting all big and bold. Well, somebody somebody insults my wife, I'll slap the taste out of their mouth. Well, I'm just telling you, that might be what your situation calls for, but the standard of truth says, listen to me, I don't know about you, but I don't want to live in a culture where you can get physically accosted for saying something. I I just made it, I said this to to our team, and if y'all, some of you are tracking me on social media, I had a big conversation this past week, and I just said this, that if you have the right to physically accost somebody because you disagree with what they said verbally, I don't want to be a part of that culture. And standing every week on this platform and preaching the gospel sometimes can be confrontational and sometimes can even be offensive. I have a concern, are we gonna live in a culture that I gotta be concerned with? How many of you are gonna rush the platform on a Sunday? Which before you get too high and mighty, the security said, I'd like to see them try it. (laughs) One security member said, I quote, I wish they might. (laughs) What I'm telling you is what we are measuring truth by is wrong. We're taking our cues from culture and what they tell us about identity and sexuality and morality, that that is the standard and we have just bought the lie. Or we're determining it based on our situations that changes. Your situation might be different than mine and mine might be different than yours. Even worse is way too many of us are determining what's true based on how we feel. Well, how do you feel? What's your desire? And I don't don't know if y'all can track with this, but if I followed all of my desires, I would be divorced I would not be in ministry and I would likely be in prison. Can I just get an amen from anybody? If you just went with everything you felt, well, I feel, well, I feel lots of stuff. And sometimes I got to say no to the donut at midnight. Sometimes I got to say no. Come on, everybody, you got to everybody say no, no, what is right? What is wrong? What is dark? What is light? What is up? What is down? What is moral? What is immoral? How do you determine this in the world that we live? And ultimately we have to come back to the tape measure of truth. We've got to come back to God's word. We have to come back to who Jesus is and what he taught. We have to come back to. If you cannot look at a man smacking another man for what he said and say that's wrong, you have missed the mark because Jesus made it abundantly clear. That's right. That's right. I'm glad three of you agree. <laughs> Let me just tell you how confused culture is. When it happened, half the people, when he stood up... And two days later, everybody's shaming him on social media. Now, I'm not telling you, you didn't pick a side today. I'm just telling you, make up your mind. Do we celebrate him or do we condemn him? Because culture's confused. And while culture may choose to be confused, Christ followers, Jesus said, do not be deceived. So truth is the standard by which we measure reality. Truth, God's truth. So the same way you measure distance with the tape measure, You measure distance with the tape measure. You measure reality with God's truth. God's truth is God's perspective. It's it's God's opinion. And as Christ followers, we submit, we surrender, and we co-sign what he says. Shh, it's quiet. Pastor's preaching today. Now, is it really a big deal? I mean, do we really need to know the truth? Has anybody ever heard the phrase before, ignorance is bliss? How many people have ever heard that before, ignorance is bliss? And do you know why? Because the truth can sometimes be painful. But do you know what's more painful than the truth is the lie. While sometimes the truth is painful, it's even more painful to find out you didn't know the truth, and it will cost you far more to walk in ignorance and darkness than to really find out the truth. Let me just give you a couple examples. Anybody here ever write a check that you couldn't cash? Some of you, like, physically you did. <laughs> Anybody, and I know this is, if you don't have a lot of money, or you're, you're trying to navigate, right, maybe you're in a tough time financially right now, young adults, and you get a bank account, and you don't have any idea how much you got in the bank account, you don't even want to look because it'll hurt your feelings you're so broke. <laughs> And so you just write the check hoping you have money. Mu- the problem is not knowing the truth of how much you have in your bank account, which isn't, isn't an assumption, like there's an actual number. If you don't know how much is in your bank account and you write a check for more than what you have, it'll bounce. Now you owe not only what you wrote the check for, but now you owe a bounced check fee. That costs you far more than just knowing the truth in the first place. Y'all tracking with me. The other day, uh, yesterday... I've been just trying just diligent man to do what i need to do with my health and uh so every day now i'm committed i got to get on the scale so yesterday and we keep it hidden under this thing so you slide it out so everybody in the house can hear when you're getting on the scale Uh. (laughs) so i get on the scale my wife as soon as i get on the scale my wife says this she says you weigh yourself more than a girl (laughs) which is something every man wants to hear his wife say and here's why I do it is because I, I, this psychologically I, I wrestle with my weight and eating because psychologically I'm, I'm jacked up here's why is because if I don't get on the scale every day this and some of you will relate to this if I get off for like three or four days I start eating not good and I know I'm gaining weight but as long as I lie to myself if I don't get on the scale I've not gained weight because the last time I looked I was doing pretty good it's been two months since I looked <laughs> Anybody else that way? You just avoid the truth. Why? Because the truth is painful, but I need the truth to hurt me or I'll hurt myself even worse. Are y'all tracking with me? So truth is painful, but allowing yourself to walk in darkness or walk in deception is even more painful, which is why Jesus said, do not be deceived, because if you allow yourself to be deceived by culture, deceived by your situation, deceived by your feelings, if you follow that path, that's gonna hurt you far more than just doing the truth. Do not be deceived. As, a, as Christ followers, as Christians, we have to come back to this place where we're willing to trade the lies for the truth. Trade the lies for the truth. So Jesus said, do not be deceived. Now think about this for a second. If you're taking notes, people lie for two reasons. Have you ever been lied to? If you've ever lied, people lie for two reasons. They either lie to help them or they lie to hurt you. They're trying to cover something up because they're going to get in trouble. They're going to lose their job. you ever lied to your boss while you were late? You're late because you were lazy and you hit your snooze button four times. Let's be honest. But that'll get you fired. So I got a flat tire. My dog, my dog, he's got a condition. He's got a bad arm. It's really sad. I just had to take him to the doctors. So we lie you lie. People lie to you for two reasons to either help them or hurt you. Now, y'all need to hear this say, because we're about to crank this up into another gear. Jesus told us the most important, significant spiritual enemy that all of us in this room have or we will ever have, it's not your mother-in-law. It's not your cousin. It's not your ex-spouse. The most significant spiritual enemy you will ever have is Satan. And there are multiple titles to describe and define who he is. And three of them that are significant to this conversation today, the Bible defines and describes Satan as the liar... The father of lies and a deceiver. Everybody say that he's a liar, the father of lies and a deceiver. Well, why do deceivers deceive? To either help them or hurt you. Let me just make it really clear: the reason Satan wants to deceive you is because he wants to hurt you. He wants you to rob. He wants to rob you from truth, rob you from joy, rob you from life, rob you from a connection with your Creator. He wants to take you down a dark path that will end in a bad place. And as long as he can lie to you and keep you on that path, he wins and you lose. Which is why we have to exchange the lies for the truth. Go ahead, pastor. So this word deception, so do not be deceived. Everybody say that. Look at the person next to you and tell them at all campuses. Come on, tell them, do not be deceived. Tell them, do not be deceived. The word deceived is really interesting. It's used in the old Testament. Do not be deceived. It's used in the New Testament, do not be deceived. In the Old Testament, the word, the picture used to describe this word or what the word literally means is this, is to live wide open, to live without walls. That's the picture. Now, the reason that picture is important specifically for the original readers of the Old Testament is in ancient Judaism, it was very common for ancient cities to be built with large walls. How would you keep the riffraff out? How do you keep out people from your city that you don't want in, that shouldn't come in, that they're gonna hurt you, they're gonna hurt your culture, they're gonna hurt your economy? How do you keep them out? Will you build walls? We still do it today. We have doors and windows. Why do you have doors and windows on your home? Because there's things that you're trying to keep out that might try to get in. And so you recognize, in order for me to make sure I'm safe, I got to keep some boundaries up. I got to keep some borders up. I got to keep some walls up. The word do not be deceived means this, to let your walls down and to live wide open. God says, don't live wide open. If you live wide open, something's going to come in and compromise you and hurt you and take from you. In the New Testament, do not be deceived. Everybody say that. Do not be deceived. In the New Testament, the word means to leave a place of safety. So imagine you're in this safe place to leave the place of safety. The enemy's trying to lure you out of a safe place. He's trying to lure you away from your relationship with Jesus. So ultimately, the warning is, do not be deceived, is don't live wide open. Don't allow everything around you to define your morality. Don't allow culture to define what's up and what's down, what's right and what's wrong, what's dark and what's light. Don't just live wide open. Well, it just, everybody's truth is equal, and it's just all relative. And it's, No, no, no. you got to have some walls, and you got to have some standards, and the walls and standards that we live by are the word of God. Don't don't leave a safe place. Don't be lured away by by situational ethics. Don't be lured away by culture telling you that this is okay or this is right. Do not be deceived. Well, again, how how do we navigate that? We have to go back to the tape measure of truth. That's how we define what is right and what is wrong. There's a conversation Jesus had with the devil I want us to lean into. It's found in Matthew chapter four. And we're going to read this together. I want you to watch how Satan tries to deceive. He tries to deceive Jesus. Why? Anytime someone lies to you, they're trying to either help you or hurt you or help them or hurt you. Satan is trying to hurt Jesus here. We'll see this. Watch this. It says, then Jesus was led by the spirit in the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. So the spirit of God is leading Jesus. This is at the beginning of his ministry, getting him ready to do what Jesus came to do. And it says, for 40 days and 40 nights, he fasted and became very hungry, which is really interesting to me because I feel like the second part of that's really unnecessary. If you don't eat for 40 days or 40 nights, you don't need to tell me you're hungry. I just made that assumption. But the the author wants us to know Jesus has been fasting for 40 days and 40 nights and he's very hungry. Now, really important, this quick setup, the reason Jesus is fasting, fasting, we live in a culture that tells you that fasting is good for your digestive tract, and it's good for your probiotics, and it's good to lose weight, and all those things are true, but the primary purpose of fasting isn't physical, it's spiritual. The primary purpose of fasting is to deny yourself physical desires, to lean into spiritual desires. I don't want to trust so much what's in this world, I need to trust my Heavenly Father. That's the purpose of fasting. And so Jesus, what he's doing is before I get into my ministry, I need to make sure I'm resting and relying on what matters most. And that's my relationship with my heavenly father. And while he's fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he's hungry and Satan comes in to tempt him. Watch this. It says, during that time, the devil came and said to him, if you are the son of God, which if you're not clear, Jesus was the son of God, deception will always get you to question truth. If you're the son of God, then tell these stones to become loaves of bread Tell these stones to be, you know, biscuits from their lobster. Tell them to be breadsticks from Olive Garden. I'm in. If you've not eaten 40 days or 40 nights, I'm just telling you, I'm going to Olive Garden. Let me just ask you a question. Is there anything wrong with eating if you're hungry? So this is Satan's big ploy to tempt Jesus to feed his hunger when he's not eating for 40 days or 40 nights? See, Satan is so crafty. I want you to notice Jesus' response to this temptation. It says, but Jesus told him, no, the scriptures say, people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. What Jesus was saying is this. I want everybody to lean in, and I want you to hear this. This is so important. There was nothing wrong with Jesus, which he had the ability, the authority, and the power as the son of God to turn a stone into bread, which is pretty impressive. And while he had not only the ability, on some level he had the right because he had a desire to fill what was hungry on the inside of him. Do you know hunger is one of the most base desires we have as human beings? The only more important and base desire you have than hunger is the, abil- or the desire to breathe. And so you look at it and you say, what's wrong with, how is that a temptation for, for Satan to tempt Jesus to try to deceive him into eating? Because he had, a, Jesus had a more base desire, a more important desire, even more important than eating was honoring God. And what he was saying was, now's not the time to eat. I set myself aside to honor God. You're not going to tempt me into relying on the bread. I'm going to rely on the bread of heaven. That's what he was saying. And I just hear this. And so all of us in this room, a lot of us in culture, we're leaning on our desires. Well, this is how I feel. This is what I feel like my identity is. This is what I feel like I am. This is the person. And the problem is you shouldn't always do what you feel. I already said it a minute ago. Let me say it one more time. If I did everything I felt, I wouldn't be a pastor, I wouldn't be married, and I would be in prison, and so would you. You shouldn't always just follow your impulses. You shouldn't just always follow your desires. It's far more important that you follow your designer than your desires. If you're taking notes, your desires aren't always legitimate demands. Just because you have a desire, just because you feel it, just because it's what you want. Following your desires will get you in trouble. And what Jesus was saying in that moment, yes, while I have the right to eat, my more base desire is to do what honors the Father. As Christ followers, on a daily basis, it's not always so clear with what's right and what's wrong. Oftentimes, you'll have to define and decide what's right and what's righter. I know that's not a word. Don't email me. It's right to eat but there's a time it's more writer. I said more before, which made it even less in the English language. It's even more writer to do what honors God. Just because you have a desire, just because you have an impulse, and just because you have a feeling, culture will co-sign that and say, you be you, boo. And God says, no, you do what honors me. And as Christ followers, we always choose the deepest desire and the highest honor. And that's to measure with the tape measure of truth. Come on. Yeah. Then he says this. <clears throat> second temptation. Devil's not done yet. He rarely is. If he don't get you on the first try, he'll, set, he'll try you on the second. Says, then the devil took him to the holy city, Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple. Now, this is, you can still go today to the city of Jerusalem. There is still part of the wall standing that was tore down in, uh, in uh, 70 AD. One of the Jewish historians, Josephus, tells us, it wrote during this time that if you were to go to the highest point of the temple and look down several hundred feet, that people were known to get woozy or dizzy. So Jesus somehow is with Satan. I don't know what this looks like. Picture like they're beamed up, me up, Scotty. They're standing on the highest point of the temple wall. They're looking down and watch the temptation. Watch the deception that Satan tries to play on Jesus. Watch this. He says this. And he said, if you're the son of God, jump off. I'm out. For the scriptures say, for the scriptures say, watch Satan. Satan quotes scripture. For the scriptures say, he will order his angels to protect you, and they will, uh, and they will hold you up with their hands, so you will not even hurt your foot against a stone. Here's the temptation, hey, hey Jesus, if you're really the Son of God, go ahead and jump off the temple. I mean, after all, if God the Father really loves you as God the Son, do you think He's really going to let you go? No way. He says, in fact, not only do I know God will catch you, I can even point to a scripture that says he'll catch you. And here's the problem with that. Again, some of you, I hope you're navigating this conversation because this is how subtle the devil is. Is a lot of us, we're living our lives by a scripture that we're holding on to. And we're trying to justify the lifestyle we're living. We're trying to justify the decisions we're making because we've got a scripture we can point to. There are way, 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 way too many Christians, especially American Christians who are living lives of rebellion, asking God to co-sign their behavior because they got a scripture, God so loved the world. Because they got a scripture, well, I pray to prayer, and now I can live however I want. This was Satan's temptation. Hey, Jesus, just live however you want because God will love you and God will catch you. And while God does love you and while God is merciful, the temptation of the enemy is to move you so far out of bounds that you miss that you are out of bounds. Notice what Jesus says in response. Jesus responded. Everybody read this. The scriptures also say. You can't live your life based on a scripture. You have to live your life based on the scriptures. You can't live your life based on a truth. You have to build your life based on the truth. Yeah, it's true. God said that he won't allow your foot to be dashed against the stone. Yeah, maybe I can jump off. But he's like, well, wait a minute. The scriptures also say you must must not test the Lord your God. What he was saying is there has to be a point while God does love me and God is merciful and, and God is good, God does care about me. At some point, I'm gonna decide to live by the rest of Scripture, which I'm, just not gonna, I'm not gonna live out of bounds and test the mercy of God. While God is merciful, I'm not gonna test how merciful he has to be for me. That's deception. Just keep going. Just live your truth, because God will love you and God's good. God does love you and God is good. But the scriptures also say, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that he'll also reap. Do not be deceived. Do not be deceived. Neither idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor the covetous will inherit the kingdom of God. See, we we forget what what is also said. (laughs) All quiet on me today. If you're taking notes, your expectations don't always legitimize your faith. Just because you think God should do it doesn't mean God has to do it. Just because you believe it about God doesn't mean that's who God is. And Satan was trying to tempt Jesus into tempting the Father, trying to deceive him into any lifestyle and just expecting God to co-sign his behavior. He goes on and he says this. Watch this, the last part. Next, the devil took him to the peak of a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. he says, I will give it all to you, he said, if you'll kneel down. worship me. Now stop. You may not know this about Jesus, but Jesus came on a rescue mission, not just for you, but for all of creation. Originally in the garden, God created everything and created everything good. And God put everything underneath the authority or the control or the stewardship of humanity. God said, it's yours to steward. So you're under me and creation's under you. And when Adam and Eve, our great, 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 great grandparents, did you count them? I think I missed one. When they chose to instead be submitted or put themselves underneath the authority of their Creator, they put their authority, put themselves under the authority of Satan. Then they lost everything. Under them went under him. So that's why the Bible says Satan is the God of this world is he took the kingdom from man when we submitted to the Satan instead of our creator. And so basically he's saying all this belongs to me and Jesus, I I know know the father sent you on a rescue mission to get all this back and you know you gotta go to a cross, a horrible old rugged cross and bleed and die. Listen, you ain't gotta go through all that foolishness. Just take the easy road. If you'll just fall down and, and bow at my feet, I'll give it to you right now. What Satan was trying to say is, come on, sometimes he'll try to tempt you into believing that the end justifies the means. Whatever path you have to take to get there as long as you end up in a good path. And while it looks good how you got there, you got to pay attention how, what your journey was to get there. Watch this. He says, get out of here, Satan. Jesus told him for the scriptures say, you must not worship the Lord your God. You must worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Your journey doesn't always legitimize your destination. So I want you to see how Satan's working. I want you to see how he's trying to deceive Jesus. He's trying to say, Hey, you got desires. Follow him. Jesus says, I have more base desires. He's trying to tempt Jesus. Hey, man, God's got scriptures for you. He's like, man, but he's got more scriptures. You don't just have one verse. He's got the whole word for me. I can't just follow a piece of truth. I got to follow all the truth. He says, hey, man, God's got a mission for you, and you can short-circuit the mission. You can just get there quicker and easier. And God's like, hey, I need to honor God in the journey, not just in the destination. What I'm trying to tell you is that we live in a world and a society that there is always something, there's always a cost, there's always a cost when you choose to follow culture. There's always a price when you choose to follow situational ethics. There's always, it's always gonna cost you something when you follow a truth other than God's truth. If you're taking notes, anytime you buy the lie, the price is high. Anytime you buy the lie, anytime you measure with something other than God's truth, the price is high. Let me ask you a question. Do you think Satan really cared that Jesus was hungry? Do you think he really cared about helping him fulfill his mission? Do you think he really cared that an angel might or might not catch him? No. Why? Because we know that liars always lie to either help them or hurt you. If he's a deceiver, which he is, and he was trying to deceive Jesus, what was he doing? He was trying to hurt Jesus. How was he trying to hurt him? What was the price that he was trying to get Jesus to pay? This is so important. The only way Jesus could be the savior of the world is if he was perfect. See, if we were perfect, we wouldn't need a savior. But the reason we're sinners is now we need a savior. And the only way someone could be the Savior is to be what we weren't. And we were sinners, so Jesus had to come and be perfect. What Satan was trying to get Jesus to do was to color outside the lines, to disobey the Father, and to disrupt his call. And ultimately, what he was trying to get Jesus to do was compromise us ever having a Savior. Jesus wasn't just on the line in the garden. We were on the line in the garden. I'm so thankful that Jesus decided to follow truth instead of culture and temptations and desires. So That's Jesus. What about you? I want you to know the price is just as high when you buy the lie. Every time you follow culture, every time you follow situation, every time you measure what is right, what is wrong, what is dark, what is light, what is up, what is down by something other than the standard of God's word, you're measuring with the wrong thing and it will always cost you something. Notice what Romans says. Here's the price. Here's the price of exchanging truth for lies instead of lies for truth. Therefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness in the lust of their hearts, to dishonor their bodies among themselves who exchange, watch this, who exchange the truth of God for the lie, who worship and serve the create, create creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. God says, listen, if you want to go your path, I'll let you go your path. I don't know about you, but I'm so thankful for the conviction of the Holy Spirit that calls me back. Because if he doesn't call me back, I'm going long and hard down a deep, dark path. Is anybody thankful for the conviction of the Holy Spirit that brings us back? But God says, if you want to keep pursuing your truth and you want to keep pursuing what you think is right, then God says, I'll ultimately let you go, but I'm going to let you go to your own destruction and I'm going to give you up and you're going to go down some deep, dark path. And while culture might say it's okay, God says, man, it's going to end you in a really bad destination. I don't know if y'all are paying attention. I want you just to hear me for a minute. This is the society and culture we live in when we're trading truth for lies instead of lies for truth. We look at a world and we don't know what a female is. We don't know what a woman is. Do you really believe that a male can give birth to a baby? Do you really believe that a kindergartner? Come on. I was chewing glue when I was in kindergarten. I was concerned with sex. I wish somebody would help me be honest today. And we live in a culture that's just pushing an agenda and we don't know. Is it okay? Should we not? And here's why. Here's why. This is why this gets, this is why this conversation gets very complex is because when you go by the standard of God's word, it's easy if you're honest, it's easy if you're honest, to look at a situation and say that's wrong. That lifestyle is out of bounds. That decision is immoral. Smacking a man for a verbal comment is wrong. The reason some of us have a hard time being honest is because oftentimes the principle is a person. It's easy to point at a principle and say that's wrong. But when it becomes a person we know, when it becomes a, a brother, a friend who's making those choices, it gets very complicated because we don't want to hate people. We're called to love people. This is why the Bible says in John chapter one, when Jesus came and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. When Jesus came, it says this, Jesus came full of grace and truth. Jesus just didn't come in grace and say, hey man, I I, I take you as you are because you don't need grace until you first hear truth. And once you're confronted with the truth that you might be in darkness, you might be set on a path of disaster, you might be living a life of destruction. The choices you're making, maybe not in the eyes of culture, but in the eyes of God are immoral and separate you from your creator until you're confronted with the truth. Well, that's what sets you up for the need of grace. So as a church, we have to never leave one without the other. And the problem is the church in America is now we're grace, 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 grace. We don't need grace until we have truth. And until somebody can look at a man who walks on a platform and slaps another man for a comment, I can say beyond a shadow of a doubt, that's wrong. Until you can look at Florida and say, or look at Disney and boycott, I don't care if you boycott or not, you're not really changing anything because every, every corporation is connected to a corporation. If you want to boycott, boycott. The point is not boycott. The point is I can look at that and say, that's wrong. It's not up to government to raise children. How do I know that? Because God ordained family. The Bible says in Ephesians that children submit to their parents. They don't submit to government. They don't submit to Disney. My kids submit to me as I submit to the Father. See, it's clear. When you know... Take measure never lies. It just never lies. Now, if you don't like what it says, that's a different conversation. I would rather that table be 60 inches. Well, you can want that all you want. You can want it all you want. Doesn't change how tall it is. What if it offends me being 40 inches? Well, take it up with the tape measure. I mean, I don't really know what to tell you. Now, if you walk out of here with this, we're better than the world, and they need to get their act together. Let me give the other side. It's shocking to me that church people are shocked when worldly people act worldly. You acted the same way before you came to Jesus. Some of you are following Jesus, still acting the same way. Now that's not a justification of it. I'm just telling you, until we can look at the world and say, that's wrong, that's immoral, that's not okay. How do we know? Not because I think it. Not because you think it. Not because I preached it. Not because that's how you were raised. Not because that's how culture said it was a year ago. It's because that's what the Word says. Now we know what the Word says. We can properly measure stuff. And when stuff's broken, crooked, when it's not what we think it should be, now that's when we can declare the grace of Jesus that can heal, restore, and make right. Come on, somebody. Let me give you one more. Powerful verse. Are you ready? here's what Jesus said and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free now you got to know the context I want you to hear this this is this I'm gonna show you the very next two verses Jesus is having a conversation he says this to a group of religious leaders Jewish religious leaders and he tells them and this is to us too and you will know the truth and what the truth will set you free. Now watch what he says to these people he's talking to. These people respond to this. They're offended by it. But we're descendants of Abraham. We're of the family line of Abraham. We have, we have prominence before God because God chose Abraham and we're of the descendants of Abraham. I was raised in church. God has to take me. But we're descendants of Abraham, they said. We've never been slaves to anyone. What do you mean you you're going what do you mean be severed they're saying jesus is saying hey if you know the truth the truth will set you free and they're offended they're like we've never been slaves how dare you say how dare you say we're slaves here's what's crazy some of you know this they absolutely were slaves they were slaves to the roman empire the jews weren't free they were slaves to rome and they're really like who how dare you say we're, we're slaves were <laughs> you dumb dumbs you are slaves and before you were slaves to them you were slaves to the greeks And before you're slaves of the Greeks, you're slaves to the Assyrians. And before you're slaves to the Assyrians, you were slaves in Babylon. You were slaves of the Babylonians. And before that, you were slaves in Egypt. Out of 3,000 years, you spent the majority of your time being slaves, and here you are saying, "Uh, we're not slaves. Here's what you need to know. We live in a world that tells us, just live your truth. Just live your truth. I'll live my truth. Well, there is no my truth and your truth. There's truth. And the problem is, if you got the wrong truth, your truth can be a trap. It can trap you into bondage. You can think you're free and be bound up. Jesus is saying, you're bound and you don't know it, but if you'll open up your life to me, you'll know the truth. And what will happen? The truth will set you free. So until you're honest enough to find the right standard of truth, you can be bound in an attitude, an action, a habit, a lifestyle, a mentality, and think it's fine because culture says it is. And Jesus will look at you and say, no, you're you're bound up and if you will just know the truth about that action that attitude that lifestyle till you realize how I look at it you're gonna stay bound but if you'll know the truth truth will set you free the flip side is this there's things that that you need to know that are true about you right now and Satan's deceived some of us some of you need to know you are loved by a Heavenly Father say I pastor I I struggle with this stuff and I I've been wrestling and I've been living this life or making these decisions. I want you to know God loves you right where you are, who you are, what you've done, no matter where you've been, what you've said, what you've done. God loves you 100% of the way, 100% of the time. He came in grace and truth. And once you come to Jesus, the truth is I'm a child of God. That's the truth, and until I know the truth, I won't be free. I'll allow the evaluation of man instead of the declaration of God to define who I am, and I refuse to do that. I want to know who God said I am, not who you think I am. Because the truth, if you know the truth, truth will set you free. So at some point, you as a Christ follower, and us as a church, and us as a community, we have to decide what is our standard for truth. The tape measure. For the reality we live in is the truth of God's word. And if we keep looking at culture and looking inward and looking at each other, we're just gonna keep jacking up the society we live in. But it's gotta start first here. And if we'll know the truth, the truth will set us free. There was a time I thought I was a good person. It's, it's funny when I say that. When I look back at the decisions I was making, I was cheating in class, getting high and drunk all the time, fighting somebody at a whim. But I mean, I was a good person. I've sat in multiple police cruisers, but I mean, I was a good person. Isn't that the most outrageous thing you've ever heard? Walk up and punch somebody for looking at me. But I'm a good person. I didn't kill him. The funny thing is we measure goodness based on each other. And While I might have been bad, I was good. I was better than a lot of people I knew, so therefore I was good. That's a lie. But once you know the truth, the truth will set you free. Once you, once I realized I wasn't a good person, I was broken and I was jacked up and I was a sinner. Once I traded the lies for the truth, now I realize I'm not a good person, I'm a bad person. Now I need somebody to help me out. I traded lies for truth. There's a second place you trade lies for truth. When you realize Jesus wasn't just a good person, he wasn't just a person in history, he wasn't just a teacher and he wasn't just a prophet. He really was the son of God, sent on a rescue mission from heaven, sent by the father to die on a cross for my sin and yours. And now, listen, when I don't don't believe a lie that I'm a good person and Jesus was just a good teacher but I'm a sinner and he's a savior all of a sudden my life changes forever you know the truth the truth will set you free so some of us in this room we're buying the lie and we're going to pay the price so Jesus says do not be deceived which means we can choose whether to wake up to truth or buy the lie so let me tell you today All of our campuses and everybody online, do not be deceived. You get to choose. What do you choose? I want us to stand to our feet, and we're going to close with a song. And Just take a minute to open our hearts before the Lord. How many people here this message helping you today? So Father, all over this room, I pray in the name of Jesus, all of us have bought the lie. All of us have been deceived at one time or another. But Holy Spirit, I pray you will help us to lean into your truth, to trust your truth. To hear your truth and god measure everything else by i pray awaken our hearts today father where we're following lifestyles and decisions and habits and mentalities god while we might want it feel it and desire god i pray we would go to a deeper desire to honor you with our lives to be people who love you and serve you with all this within us so lord speak to our hearts today fill us with your presence in jesus name and everybody who agrees said amen come on let's worship together church